The other thing is that all success requires consistency based on the law of cause and effect. You have to do the right things to get the right results over time to get those results. Now, they can happen really quick, but they still have to be consistent. If they're not consistent, you end up with fluctuations in the money, fluctuations in productivity, fluctuations in team members, whatever that it might be. It, it, it affects everything. So a person has to make a decision with the belief and the faith that the thing that they want is going to manifest. And instead of turning around when they don't see it, they have to reprogram their mind to see something that they've never seen before. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. So I've got a different guest today, different meaning he is not a contractor, far from it. He's actually a mind contractor. Maybe that's what we can call him. He's a mind contractor. His name is David Nagel. And I've been very fortunate to have a lot of really good teachers over the last 30 some years. I started on this personal development journey. I've said it before here. I was 17 years old and somebody handed me, Jim Gollahue, God bless his soul, handed me a copy of Think and Grow Rich. And that set me off on a path. And through that, I met wonderful teachers, both living and dead. Many like, you know, the living ones, Dan Kennedy, Jim Rohn was, you know, 30 years ago was still with us. And I went to many of his things. And then uh, the dead ones, of course, Napoleon Hill and on and on and on. There's so many of them. But one guy 15 years ish ago, I was in the worst place that I think I had ever been in. It was like 2007, 2008. Everything was crumbling down around us. And I got an invitation to go to through Allie Brown to go to an event with one of her teachers, this guy named David Nagel. And I don't remember how it was promoted or what. And so I go and I meet this guy, David Nagel, that's here with us today. And he said a lot of things that made a lot of sense to me. And I wasn't angry with you yet at that point. I was angry with you later. But at the beginning, wow, the teachings were so impactful. Now, by the way, you know, with, you know, looking back on it, looking back on it, I didn't like it because I wasn't ready to hear it. I didn't under fully understand what you were saying. And I was, my resistance went up. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, you know? And so how we we reconnected again recently i haven't talked with david in many many years too long in fact but i have not stopped following his teachings in fact he has a great book and i was telling him the other day his book is called the millions within and the way you spell his last name is n-e-a-g-l-e and now to say nagel like bagel not nagel, nagel like eagle <laughs> remember <Yeah. laughs> 
I that but that I don't remember. But we want to be careful. It's it's uh, yeah, it's pronounced Nagel, but it's spelled like Beagle. Right. right. Yeah. But he's got this great book, The Millions Within, which is a book. Now, I'm fresh off of two weeks ago. We wrapped up our third annual profit workshop, which has a huge wealth attraction component. And one of the books I always recommend that people read is David's book, The Millions Within. And so David, with all of that, sorry, you had to listen to all of that. With all of that, welcome. I'm so glad you are here because you, you really were, you, you were a guy that taught me about the importance of decision you taught me about the law of polarity, which I did was one of the things I did not get. I got yeah. it. I got it, but I didn't get it. But when I finally got it, blew my mind. Financial set point. I learned about reprogramming your subconscious mind. And I got the stick figure guy from you and you were the one guy. So the stick figure guy I got from David Nagel. 10, 12, 15 years ago. You got it from Bob Proctor. Bob Proctor got it from Dr. Thurman Fleet. Thurman Fleet. And you, by the way, are the guy that explains it the best. I probably, you know, I use it now. Yeah. I probably don't do as good a job of it as you do. Maybe we should do a webinar one day and my audience can hear like, here's from the, the horse's mouth. But anyway, welcome. We've got so much good stuff to talk about. This is an episode about mindset, people. This is not about, we're not talking sales. We're not talking marketing. We're talking about what gets in the way of you making the money that you should be making. What's getting in the way of you creating a business that works for you, not a business that you work for. And also, how do you create a business that allows you to have a life outside of the business? My contention is, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. My contention is now I'm 55 years old. I've been doing this for over 30 years. Took me until I was 48 years old to finally figure this shit out. And it took me until 50 years old to become a millionaire. And it took me just once I did that, it took me five years, about five years to become financially free. And so it all happened quick once I flip and got it. But it took me so long. And so the idea here is how do we help you, the listener, shorten your learning curve so you don't have to be 50 years old and, you know, where you have a lot more options and choices in life. So my contention is, with all that said, is that business is 90% plus mindset and it's 10% skill set. And I'd like to get your opinion on this because we can borrow skill set, we can buy skill set, we can... You know, you know, so what's your take on that? Well, I agree with you a hundred percent that. So if any, when people ask me, like, is there any way to break this down to the, it's most simplest form as what causes the problem? It's it, it's simply this, although there's a lot of parts to this, the simplest way to explain it is this, we're raised in a society that drills into our mind from the day that we're born that money is scarce, that it's difficult, that we need to work hard and we need to work long and we need to sacrifice and suffer and outwork the next guy in order to get rich. In fact, economics is actually the study of scarcity, which is interesting because 
When you study economics from a place of scarcity, you're studying something that's a complete lie. It's a complete lie to humanity. And yet humanity is captured by this belief. I have a I have a, a sheet here that I'm I'm going to be in Toronto in a week and I'm doing a keynote for a company up there. And I've got 50 limiting beliefs about money that we all hear growing up, right? We we hear every, I mean, I've run this past, I don't know how many people, and everybody goes, I heard every one of those things growing up. And then I would ask people, how many positive things did you hear about money growing up? And they come up with two or three. That's it. So, you know, you had that, you had that breakthrough, like where you finally got it. Here's, here's what happened to me when I finally got it. The first time I had a breakthrough, I was driving a forklift. You've heard this story before. I was driving a forklift. I uh, was married, had two kids. We were broke, went bankrupt. A car was repossessed. We had to move to a bad neighborhood in the middle of the night. We're on food stamps. And I, I'm really at the worst place of, of my life. And I make this change in my attitude where I change three things. And in 30 days, my income triples. I go from 20,000 a year to 62,000, but I still didn't know what I had done, right? So that's what prompted me to start studying. So I study for seven years. I meet Proctor and I start working with him. And then when I started my business, I was averaging in about the first year, about 50,000 a year. That's about what I was making. And Bob always would talk about turn your annual income into a monthly income. So I wanted to go from 50,000 a year to 50,000 a month. And I told him, I said, I'm making a decision. I'm doing it. I'm doing it this month. So at the end of the month at midnight, I'm on the phone with him and he goes, how did you do? And I was floored. I had done nothing. I had not done any better than I did the month before. I may have even done worse. And he said to me, I'll never forget this. He says to me, David, it's easier to make $50,000 a year than it is to make $50,000 a month. And my first reaction to him saying that was, he's jerking me around. This guy's like, because he, he was a fun guy. So he was, I thought he was playing with me. But wait, it's the opposite. Sorry. Easier to make 50,000 a month than 50,000 a year. Yeah. Is that what I said? No, you said the other way around. Oh, sorry. It's easier yeah. to make 50,000 a month than it is 50,000 a year. Yeah. So I thought, I everybody, by the way, because I want everybody to hear that yeah. so, again, just the, sorry, but just say it again. Cause I want yeah. people to hear that. Cause he's absolutely, the way he's absolutely right. From yeah. my, the more right. money you make, the easier it is. So it's easier to make 50,000 a month than it is to make 50,000 a year. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to set the goal again for this next month and I'm going to give it a shot. So I set the goal and I go to work. And again, at the end of the month, I'm on the phone with him at midnight and he's like, how did you do it? I'm like, I can't believe this. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I am working my ass off. Nothing, you know, I'm not making any progress whatsoever. He's laughing at me and he goes, why would you work all year for $50,000? He goes, I wouldn't even get out of bed for $50,000. And I'm thinking to myself, you jerk, like, I'm really trying here. Like I'm, I'm not screwing around. I'm not procrastinating. I'm really working at this. And he goes, I told you it's easier to make 50,000 a month than it is 50,000 a year. And I remember getting off the phone with him and sitting at my desk and I was just seething angry. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, he's serious. He is really serious. And I thought, okay, what would that look like? 
if I if it was as easy as it could possibly be, and I thought I'd have one client for fifty thousand, and it would be the first person that I talked to, like easy if easy as it could possibly be. And Brian, when I when I sat and thought about what I was doing, I was like, oh my god, I am making this hard. Like from a strategic mathematical principle, how I'm like I'm going to set a goal. Okay, what's your plan to go after this goal? I was making it difficult. So in two weeks, I went over 50,000. I didn't, I wasn't at the mindset place yet where I thought I could charge 50,000, but I knew I could charge 15. So that's what I did. And I did it in two weeks and I went over to 50,000. And then shortly after that, I went over a million and, and I never looked back after that. It's always been increased since then. But what I realized was that my first change in personal growth, conscious personal growth was that I had a terrible work ethic when I was a teenager. And I would work if I felt like it, not work if I didn't feel like it, not necessarily always give you a, a good day's work for a good day's pay, that type of thing. And when I started really having problems after I got married, part of me changing was that I was going to give my very best. I was going to develop a hard work ethic. And I did. And for the company, I worked for a petroleum company out of Chicago and it worked very well. I climbed the ladder. I started off as a truck driver. When I left the company, I was in charge of expanding it across the country. It worked very, very well for me, that ideology. And then when I started my own business, I didn't realize that that ideology was going to basically take me down if I didn't change it. What I didn't realize was that when we accept hard work as an ethic, we not only do we work hard, but we will take the simplest things and make them hard because we've attached it to our identity. It becomes who we are. And we think to ourselves, I'm a good person. I'm a quality person because I work damn hard at what it is that I'm doing. But I didn't realize psychologically, we will literally turn something simple into something difficult. So I began to learn that earning money was actually one of the easiest things that you can do and that there's an abundance of it, that there's no shortage. And, and again, I was angry because my experience into the industry that I'm now passionately a part of and have been for almost 25 years came from these giant quantum leaps that I made with relative ease. I mean, it was shocking to me how easy it was. And so to go from 20,000 a year to 62,000 a year in a month, with no high school education and no good work record, that was astounding. That wasn't supposed to happen, right? And that happened in the early 90s when 60 grand was still, you know, I mean, I didn't, nobody in my family even made 60 grand at that, at that point. And then to go from that to 50,000 a month, and then to go from 50,000 a month to over a million. And I'm thinking to myself, the easier I work, the easier it is to make this money. How could that possibly be? And I realized that it's basically been a con that's played on people in order to keep people loyal to jobs. And then, of course, Proctor really educated me on that for a long time about how it happened and why it is. And they, you know, they psychologically control the minds of the masses and, and all this stuff. And the thing is this, and I thought to myself, I'm like, well, people have to know this. Like, it's going to be my mission in life that people know this. And I was horrified to find out that you'd go, I would approach people, even people in my family that would do nothing but complain about their life and about money and try to explain this to them. And they don't want anything to do with it. None. Yeah. Nothing. They didn't believe you. They thought you were crazy. Get away from me. This is like, 
So it was another you're cheating. You're cheating people. You're on unethi- You must be doing something unethical. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Who, it's, how it's, dare it's, you? Who do you think I, you are? Yeah. So I was immature in my growth, but I learned quick and I learned that you have to really, you, when you're working with people with this, you have to, you really have to work with people that have an open mind and they seriously want to make changes in their life. And another thing that I didn't know at the time was it wasn't so much that people wanted to work hard and didn't want to believe that you could earn money easy. Hence how many people play the lottery, right? And people will spend their whole damn paycheck in line at the lottery. It's, it's really gross, but the idea of they're letting go of who they think they are in, as it pertains to how they, how they live their life and the values and the ethics that they have all the values of the ethics of the middle class. Well, from basically from the professional class down middle-class working class, even your poor, all believe that it's hard work, sacrifice, you have to give something up. And then not only that, but they're taught to hate the man, right? Anybody that's wealthy, anybody that seems to be doing well, anybody that has more to them, there's something wrong with those people, right? They're not ethical. They didn't do things right. So it's gross in 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 a large sense of what it is. But I've spent 24 years teaching people this. And I, the stories that I hear over and over again are just like yours, which is no different than mine. All of a sudden it, things clicked. And once it clicked, it's like, I can now see, you know, outside of the matrix, so to speak, it's, it's, you can see the mechanics of what keeps people locked into the lie. But once you see the man behind the curtain, you realize it's just a lie and you don't go back to that anymore. And then you learn the systems and structures and stuff like that, which make it yeah. even easier and, and duplicatable at that point. So let me ask you about this. So you, one of the things that you taught me, and I remember sitting in the room and I'm getting it logically. And it was this idea of the law of polarity. Yeah. And so when you just told your story about in one month, you went from making 20,000 a year to 60,000 a year. That was the law of polarity at work. Now, before you answer or tell, finish that part of the story, so when we're sitting in your in the room with you, you to make the point, you turned off the lights and then you turn the lights back on. And you basically yeah. said one does can't exist without the other. Left doesn't exist without right. Up doesn't exist without down. That made logical sense to me. But what didn't necessarily make logical sense to me was if you have the desire, if you have the desire, the means by which to acquire it must already be around you. Yeah. It must already be around you. And I did not get that. I get it today. By the way, and then you can please answer that. Tell us about your what the law of polarity is and how it worked for you in your life. But we always start with our people. They want to come and they want to talk about selling systems and they want to talk about market. They come and they sit here with me. That the people that are in our mastermind groups or basically I mean, I, I meet with anybody that's in our community to help mm-hmm. them with the mind. They come up with marketing. They come with this. They come with that. Invariably, where does it end up? I want to know what you want. Tell me how much money you want to make. Right. What kind of house do you want to live in? How much money is it going to cost you? Blah, blah, blah. That's where we start. And people have such a hard time with figuring out, well, what do I really want? 
But then when somebody does come up with something good, it's like, okay, you try and now tell them, well, it's got to be around you. The means for you to acquire it has to be around you. So please, with that, I butchered it a little bit, but talk to no, us. No, you did great. You did great. There's the a lot of polarity because it happens. It's happened to me. Yeah. Like four weeks ago, it happened to me where the answer was right there. I was looking for it. And now it happens faster because I know it's around me. But anyway, go on. Yeah. So there's a, just give me a couple minutes on this because there's a lot of components to this. Yeah. So the first, the first thing is, is that there's seven basic laws to the universe. And one of them is the law of polarity. And the law of polarity basically states that everything, both physical and non-physical, has an opposite. It's equal and opposite and it's connected, right? So here's a pen. It has a left and a right and up and a down and in and out. And it's connected in the middle. You can't have one side without the other, Okay. So we understand that pretty well in the physical universe, but it was a little harder to comprehend in the universe that you can't touch. That's why I still use the light on and off thing, right? Because yeah. I'll turn the light on and I'll say, well, where did the dark go? If you remember, and yeah. then you flip the switch, it's like, it's right there. They both exist in the same place at the same time. It's how you see it that determines what your experience is. So when a person has a desire, the way that I, I began to formulate teaching this was, if you remember, I've always used nature as a backdrop for truth, right? So whether you come from evolution or you come from God or you come from the universe or spirit or energy, there is a truth that runs through nature that keeps nature alive, vibrant, and consistently moving forward. And it doesn't get screwed up unless human beings get in there and mess with it, right? If you just leave it alone, it does its thing. It's done its thing for millions of years, unaided by, by human beings. So I will often say to myself, if I'm, if I'm trying to determine if something is really true, especially in the early years when I was first studying, do I see this in nature anywhere? Like a, an idea, a metaphor, a concept, whatever. And one of the things that I recognized, and which was a, was a question that I had ever since I was a little kid, was probably like the backdrop of my purpose in life, was that when I was a little kid, I was born in the mid-60s. The first four or five years of my life were great. We had a major tragedy in the family. Then it wasn't so great. And of course, Vietnam was going on. The assassinations were happening. Civil rights. I mean, you name it. It was, it was happening. And I was also raised Catholic. So I was hearing in the church that we were that we were created by God and God loves all of his children and great and all that's wonderful. And you would turn on the news and these people were being killed and the blacks had a drink out of a different drinking fountain. And like it was nuts, nuts. And I kept asking the question, how is that what why is this so different? Right. And then the other thing was this: people in my mind, people seem to be very very confused about who they were and why they were here, what they were doing in life. So I, I said, you know, what's interesting is animals aren't confused about what they are, and they don't seem to be confused about what they're doing, and they don't have to go to school for 20 years to figure it out either. Nor do you see a squirrel sitting on a fence post somewhere depressed on Prozac trying to get wait in line for a psychiatrist because it's afraid it's not going to have enough nuts for the wintertime. And I thought, you know, human beings have the, the highest intellect that we're aware of as far as hum, as far as life goes on this planet. And yet we can't figure out who we are, what we're here, what it is that we're supposed to do. Something about this is wrong. 
And I realized, well, all life follows its instinctual DNA, tells it what it is that it's supposed to do, tells it how it's supposed to behave. It doesn't go to school to learn it. I mean, some animals pass down some teachings, but basically every, every all life knows what to do instinctually. And I said, what is that for human beings? And through all my study and research and what I was doing, I realized that our true desire of our heart that's telling us which way to go in life will actually be our guide through our entire life if we learn to listen to it. The problem is, is that we're in touch with it when we're born, but it gets taught out of us as we get older because we're basically following the way other people think that we should live, behave, be safe, and live in a world where you're following something that's not true, like economics is based on scarcity, like that there's not enough, that we constantly hear that there's not enough. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM, estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. So I thought, well, if so, just like instinct with the animal, it always it takes it to whatever it is that it needs. That same law has to be available for human beings. If we have the desire, then it must be here. Then I don't remember when I came across this book. And it was Proctor that turned me on to this book. The book's called Working with the Law by Raymond Hollywell. And I'll never forget reading this because this is when I was first starting to get this idea that this was true, that you can't have a desire without the thing that you need actually being around you. And then this is what I read in Hollywell's book. He says, true desire represents the urge of life, seeking a fuller expression and is kept alive by continuous expectation of its fulfillment. It brings to us the ways and the means for its manifestations. The principle explains no desire is felt until the supply is ready to appear, and no mind can be conscious of a need or a desire unless the possibility of its fulfillment already exists. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh, I mean, I was on fire when I read that. And then I'm like, okay. The hard part is I have to live in that space now. How do I live in that space? And living in that space is I'm going to follow the desire of my heart. See, when you ask a lot of people, what do you really want? Most people don't tell you what they want. They tell you what they think they can accomplish. They tell you what they've decided they should want because of what other people told them. So this law doesn't apply to that. Because it's not what they're really in harmony with. Most of the things that they tell you that they want is based on fear, but that goes down another road. So when you're really tuned in to what it is that you want, 
you're you're in harmony with the frequency of the thing that's already here. Everything in the universe operates at a frequency. That's the law of vibration. So you can't feel something internally without have it being external. And it must be in your life somewhere. So the big breakthrough that I had when I went from 20,000 a year to 62,000 wasn't that I learned anything about money. It was as I changed the three parts of my attitude, I acted like I love what I did. I did every job to the best of my ability. And I started treating people with total respect. It changed my perception. And when my perception changed, I saw the opportunity that was right in front of me for two years that I didn't perceive as an opportunity. And bam, my income changed. And had you talked to me five minutes before I had done that, I would have told you there is no opportunity that I've been, don't, I'd have been indignant about it. Like, look, I've been trying for two years to figure yeah. out how to make more money to get out of this neighborhood. Don't you tell me that there's an opportunity that I don't see. And it was there the whole time. So living in, living in that truth was making sure that I was thinking the truth. It has to be here. If I make a decision, it must be here. The money, the people, the resources, whatever it is. And then I have to be open to what that is, and then I have to step into it. The stepping into it will always ask something from me to move me up in a level of awareness, which means that you can't grow without giving up something of a lower nature to gain something of a higher nature. Now, that could be a belief. It could be that you're spending money to learn from someone, or you're going to school, or you're buying a book, or you're going to a seminar, or you're learning a skill, whatever it is that it might be, in order for you to bring that thing in, you have to do something different than you did before, but you can't do something that you're not aware of. So that process takes you through that. And it doesn't matter how much money it is. It's already, if you say, you could be making, like I was making like 20,000, you could be like, I seriously want a million. Well, then it has to be there and the way to do it has to be there. You're just not seeing it. Yeah. So that's an absolute truth. And I've worked with thousands of people for 25 years. I've never seen it not be true, not for one person. It was true for me. So I I was sharing with you when we talked the other day, how I had this goal for 20 years. I wanted to make X amount of dollars and the amount doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It could be 50,000, 500, 5 million, whatever. The amount doesn't matter. I don't think the principles change at all right. with, the, with the number. So I had this number, but I had, you know, this was my set point, which we'll talk about. It's not where I'm going yet, but I had this number and I it was elusive. Couldn't get there. I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there. You, you, when you met me, I was banging my head against the wall and I was trying to figure it. I was really trying to figure it out. And when I finally said, enough is enough, this is it, it's going to happen, I had to make a decision. Now, you, this is something that you teach. You teach about, you say the decision proceeds to how. Yeah. So can you break that down for us, you know, in, in a way, you know, people that may be not familiar with your work or they're feeling stuck or they're putting in all of the effort, but they just don't see the needle moving. You know, that was me for 20 years. Here was my income. I could not, that was where I was comfortable. That's where my, anyway. So can you talk about the importance of making a decision? And then what does that mean when you make a decision? Yeah, good question. Okay, so our greatest power 
is our ability to choose, hands down. It gives us the ability to create our life, recreate our life. Everything that's been invented by human beings in, you know, with their hands comes from the ability to choose to take an image that's in the mind and figure out a way to mold it into the physical world, which is astounding if people would stop and think about that process for five minutes. We were not, human beings didn't arrive on this planet with a book that said, here's what everything means and what it does, and here's how to find everything. People, people did those things because they were following an internal guidance that said, look at this, check this, test this, that type of thing. So this idea of choice, the problem that we have with it is that because we're making choices every day and nobody ever taught us how important they are and how powerful they are, we don't, it's like we're using it ignorantly, like blindly. We don't realize, and we've never, and the other thing is this, every choice is an act of another law, which is cause and effect. So every choice is a cause and it has an effect. If you have not linked up your mind to understand the cause and effect of your choices, very often you live your life thinking that most of the things that you're experiencing are caused by something else or someone else. So again, you don't realize the power. One of the greatest lessons that Proctor ever taught me was the the ability to make a decision. But when you make a decision in the way that we teach it, it's you make a decision, there's no going back. You don't change it tomorrow because the weather's bad or something's uncomfortable. And then it's, I need to step into the first thing that I need to do to make the decision. So where people get stuck with money is that they'll say that they made the decision, but then they're not doing anything different because different would require that they get uncomfortable, right? So maybe it's making sales calls or asking people for money. The other thing is that all success requires consistency based on the law of cause and effect. You have to do the right things to get the right results over time to get those results. Now, they can happen really quick, but they still have to be consistent. If they're not consistent, you end up with fluctuations in the money, fluctuations in productivity, fluctuations in team members, whatever that it might be. It affects everything. So a person has to make a decision with the belief and the faith that the thing that they want is going to manifest. And instead of turning around when they don't see it, they have to reprogram their mind to see something that they've never seen before. So it literally changes their perception. So it, it, they have to be indignant about it must be here. It has to be here. The people have to be here. The resource, whatever it is that you're deciding about, you have to stay with it until you're able to see the opportunity open up in front of you. And that's really what happens. It opens up. It's like somebody opens a door and all of a sudden you see something that you will swear wasn't there before, but it was, you just weren't seeing it. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, when, you know, when people, again, when they come here and we sit down, we go through the exercise, well, what do you want? Well, first off, I got to go through it with them. All right, where do you want to live? How much is that going to, I mean, I got to go down, but I have a list, actually, I have an exercise for this. And then it comes down to, all right, let's make the decision. Well, from the decision now has to come commitment, consistency, you know, commitment and consistency are very close cousins. And now you got to go and actually work on the things that are going to, so we got to talk about reprogramming too. But that was the thing that I really had to do was, and I just went back and I looked at our notes. And so somebody at one of our events said, oh, hey, I'm working with Sydney, 
who does energy work. And I said, great. How is it? Somebody at one of our events just came up to me and said, oh, hey, thanks for introducing me to her, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Tell me how it's going. Well, it's it's going good. I feel good. Okay. What about your results? Well, I'm not, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I asked him, I said, are you doing the daily work? And he looked at me and goes, well, I did it for a few days. And I'm like, well, then that would explain why you did one thing out of my list of 14 things that I did, 14 things that I did to reframe, reprogram, rework, re-whatever my messed up thinking that wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. Yeah. And I think this is the thing that is is tough for people is they want to work harder on the business than they want to work on themselves. Right. And to me, all of it, and, and I just know this from my own experience, and there's some people, you know, they get this quick. Money doesn't stop them. I have clients right now that make $10 million a year. Yep. And for them, there's no limit. I mean, they they could just keep going and going. They have to go through all the gymnastics I have to go through. And so let's talk a little bit about that reframing, that reprogramming that gets this stuff to actually start to take root because it's got to take root. It's got to grow. This is not a, the decision is in an instant. Right. The work that comes after that can't be ignored it can't yeah. be no no it's oh, necessary just the thought about i i said to somebody the other day in one of our mastermind meetings i called it the illusion of accomplishment i said you're telling me all of these things that you're doing but none of them is helping you accomplish your goal of making x amount of dollars or whatever the goal was i said you have this illusion you've deluded yourself with this illusion of a, accomplishment so can we talk a little bit about the, the the whole reprogramming yeah so the thing is is that you, you made an interesting remark about some people that don't have a money story and it's true there are some people that are not born with what we call a poverty mindset or a middle class mindset they didn't have any negative in, impact on their mind around money. Now, I've also found that they can't explain it to you any better than somebody that does. No, nope. but they don't have anything blocking them to receive money in their life. So it's fascinating because, in one way, they're proof that it actually is easy. You do the cause and effect behavior, you'll get the money, and there's no there's no stopping it. The more you make, the easier the easier it is. The more you make, the easier it is to make. With the programming, though. I think one of the keys to understanding this is the emphasis that Napoleon Hill put on the change that has to occur in order for you to do it. He said, you have to develop a white hot heat of desire yeah. to earn money, to become rich in order to break through this. Now, if you remember in that book, in the beginning of the book, in the introduction, he says, there's a secret in the book and he's not going to tell you what the secret is, but it's mentioned over a hundred times, you know, not directly, but it's, but it's in there. When I first started reading the book, I don't know how many times I read it, a bunch. And I'm thinking to myself, damn it, where's this secret in this book? How could he write this book and not tell you what the secret is? But I remember one day when I started asking a different question, what's the truth about something? And I would pick up, I would pick up this book, Think and Grow Rich. And I would think to myself, what is it that I'm looking at here? What is this in and of itself? Like first principles, Marcus Aurelius. 
And I was like, in order for him to write this book, he interviewed 500 of the world's most successful people. So he's telling you what these 500 people had of in common that they attributed to their success. Now, there's some things in here that he wrote that people find they have a hard time with. Like he writes, he never saw any one of those 500 people working. <laughs> yeah. He writes in the book. So the thing is, is that they weren't struggling. They weren't trying to shove this into their subconscious mind to get it to work. They were telling you either what they did or what they knew was working with them. So when I when I finally understood that, I was like, this book is not an instruction manual. It's a map for what happens once you finally get it. So when the pieces come into place, when you That's get that secret, you this all life does what's in this book. This is what's necessary for growth to happen in every sense of the being. I don't care if you're learning how to play guitar or if you're learning how to sculpt or paint or drive a truck or build a internal combustion engine or whatever. Every bit of this book shows up in all success. And what happens is people take the approach of trying to install it inside of themselves, not knowing that if they would just follow the desire in their heart, it's already there. And they will do those things automatically. So when we're working with the programming, like you're saying, the idea is to stop believing the stuff that we were taught that makes it hard and allowing ourselves to follow what's actually easy in our life. And today, when I do seminars, I start off or I do talks, I start off with two things. I say, I want to help you reframe something. And if you take nothing away from my speech, take these things away and just contemplate them for the rest of your life if you have to. Success is easy and you were born to be a success. Everything else that you're experiencing should be an indication that something is seriously wrong. Because success is easy and you were born to be a success. So if you're struggling, if you're sacrificing, if you're having a hard time, there's something you do not understand. And what you don't understand is that you were given the principles of survival, not the principles of success. That's what we were raised with, the principles of survival. And the principles of survival also based on the social economic situation of any time in history that that individual would be born and raised in, right? Because there's, of course, there's facts and, you know, political ideas and governments and dictators and free societies and slave society. Like, we're all born into these different spectrums of ideas and how society worked. But the idea is that if you're not following that, if you're not following that thing that actually does show you your passion, you know what it is that you want to do, you're going after it, you're actually following something that's incorrect in your mind. And that was your parents or somebody teaching you, this is what you need to do to, to, to be able to make it through life. You know, you got to go to school, get a job, work for the man, you know, play the game, compete, you know, climb the ladder, all the nonsense stuff that people do every day and have for hundreds of years, because they think that that's, even though, Brian, if we would just open our eyes, we watch people just where those laws don't apply. Those rules don't seem to apply for some people. And we call those people gifted or talented, or there's something special about them, but we don't associate it with anything that has to do with us because nobody ever said those things to us when we were little. So that's the programming part that we have to overcome. 
it's not that this stuff is not already in you. It is, but we have to get everything else out of the way so that we can bring that up to the surface. Evidence of this, every person can find evidence of what I'm saying is true in when they do something that they absolutely love to do. When you do something you love to do, it's not hard work. It's challenging, but exciting. Time flies by. It, you're not constantly watching the clock. And you can do it with boundless energy because you absolutely love it. You can live your entire life that way for the most part if you're really following your internal guidance in life. Okay. Now, I'm going to stop you there for a second. Oh, quick. My heart stopped. I moved. Okay. So can you go a little bit? A I can little go bit to 430. Further. Perfect. Okay, and then you we got to come back because we're sure. we, yeah. by the way, everybody that's listening, David, David goes really deep on this stuff and he's giving you background, which I really like. He doesn't just tell you, oh, go do this. He's giving you the background of where it all comes from. And I like that, but it's taking us longer. And so we if you're okay with it, I want to have you back and we want to we have to continue sure. this conversation because there's still so much more to to yeah. but now going back to all of what you just said. Some people listen to that and say, oh, God, that is just such, what do you call that? Like airy fairy, airy fairy language. It's, uh, oh, just do what you love and and success will follow you or will come up on you and you'll have a great blah, blah. But then the reality of it is you got to do you got to do some hard work, especially at the beginning. Now, the hard work is not necessarily you know, working in a warehouse like you did. It's right. not necessarily going and, you know, digging ditches. But it, it's diligent work. Yeah, it's diligent. It requires you to do the right thing. So yeah. can you, can we? But when uh, we're doing what we love, it doesn't seem like hard work. Right. Right? You You take anything that a person truly loves to do, and like, what if I love laying on the on a beach in the south of France? No, that's different. That's resting. Okay, I'm talking about something that you would truly doing something, something productive. We all have things that we like to do that are productive, right? Yeah. And those don't those are not hard for us. They but many of those things will be challenging, right? And we enjoy the challenge. It doesn't feel hard. So what I ask people is. When you experience life or work to be hard, where do you experience it being hard? And inevitably, a person always experiences it in here. It's yeah. not in here. Because what I might find hard, you might find very easy. It's easy for you because you love it, right? Yeah. It's something you're in harmony with, but it's not something that I'm in harmony with. And I think that's different for every person on the planet. We have a purpose and, we ha and our purpose existed before we came here. We came to fulfill a purpose, not for it to be hard, right? Not, not to be hard in that we're miserable doing it. It's hard and it's diligent, that type of thing. But the difficulty is it's a totally different kind of difficulty. Okay. So then is it still airy-fairy? Is it what? It's is not airy-fairy. Airy-fairy is just something that somebody says to explain away something that they don't understand. Yeah. These are hard principles. I work. I mean, I don't sit around and just think about things. Right. I work. I do sales. I speak. I travel. I have a team of people. I have an office. I mean, there's real work behind okay. all of it. But I, that was I, the I, important piece right there. Yeah. But you love, but you love doing it. Just like right now. It. I I love what I do now. I didn't 10 years ago, 
because yeah. it was hard because I didn't get it. I didn't like, you know, I made it. Time, I oh. every morning when I like when I was driving a forklift, I would wake up every morning and I had to force myself to go to work. Yeah. Right. Now I get to wake up in the morning and go, I can't believe I get to live this life. Yeah. I live in a beautiful house. I have beautiful vehicles. I can travel anywhere in the world that I want to go. I'm hired to speak by some of the best people around. I get to work with amazing clients doing amazing things that are fun and challenging and and all of that. Like, And there's problems that show up and there's things that happen. People die. People get sick. You know, there's real problems that show up in, in, in life. But the thing is, is that when you learn to master what it is that we teach, you don't get reduced to the level of the problem, right? And it's another thing that money does for people. When you master money, you will never be reduced to the level of the problems that you experience when you don't have money. You will always raise those things to a level where it's not a, it's not an issue for you. Talk about mastering money. What do you mean by mastering money? Mastering, mastering bringing money into your life so that it's no longer an issue like where am I going to get the money for this? How am I going to afford the kids college? Where are we going to pay? How are we going to pay the mortgage? We know, oh my God, uh, we got four flat tires on the car. The things that most people, they have, it's just, it's constant problems because they have to come up with the money to do things or their life is consumed on their days off by things that they have to do themselves because they can't afford to hire anybody else to do it. And then they convince themselves that they really love to do it. And that's just complete BS. They would be much rather doing something else that they enjoy. So, so think about it like this. If money was no longer an issue, in other words, you could write a check or give a credit card for any amount. How would that change how you deal with problems that involve money? Right. I have uh, I, there, there's I have a big house. Things go wrong with it on the regular. Right. You know, it's 20 years old. There's I just had to put in a new in-ground pool because it was getting old and that was 32 grand. I have a house manager. She takes care of everything in the house. She makes sure the lawn is cut and everything is done. And, you know, and when she says, hey, we need to do this or replace this or have that fixed, the money's there to do it. So it's no big deal. All right. Just hire the right people to do it. And, and get it done, not worried about how much it's cost. I'm not worried about getting the best deal in town. It just do the thing that needs to be done and get it fixed. It could be a car. It could be one of my boats. It could be something at work. You know, the air conditioner broke. Okay, just and get it fixed because I've mastered that part of my life. I don't get reduced to the level of the problem where the problem is going to dictate how I interact with it any longer. And everybody has that ability. I don't believe that we're supposed to live that way unless a person chooses to yeah. live that way. We're we're here to create, to do something different. And of course, that's different with every person, but that's really how we're supposed to be living. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, because that changed, that obviously that changed for us. And when you are so consumed with how am I going to make payroll? How am I going to pay my, my mortgage or my rent? How am I going to get my kids what they need to start school? You can't make good, well, I shouldn't say you can't make, it's very difficult to make really good decisions. Yeah. And it's also very difficult to see the world as you started with this, which is what we teach people too, is it's abundant. There's no shortage of money. No if, shortage. It, it, and if anybody doubts that, just go back and look at, over the last few years. We have pumped so much money 
that that was didn't exist three years ago. Right. Trillions and trillions of dollars have been pumped into this economy out of nowhere. So right. money is not scarce. No. And, and, it's not yeah, scarce. and the lie that they perpetuate on the American public is that by printing more money, they're going to devalue it to nothing. That's not true. It will be devalued when they when they need to devalue it to make a correction. That's how it works. Yeah. Right. Because like they're what, doing now. Yeah. Like they're like they're doing now. Right. They're they're, do, they're doing now. So we've been they've been perpetuating the same lie on humanity for, for absolute ever, and people just buy into it, and they get stuck in the headlines of life, and they don't actually know. They don't actually know the truth. And if money ever really did become totally scarce, like it, then we it wouldn't even be a problem on the bottom end. Something else would be important. Relationships would be important. Could you trade something for something else like we used to do a few hundred years ago before we actually had physical money? Remember this, every dollar you earn is already in the hands of somebody else. So the key to success is personal contact. When you drive relationships based on what you love and actually wanting to help other people, you'll make all the money you could ever possibly want in life. Yeah. All right, David, I'm looking at the clock and I've got five other places I could go with you, but we don't have time. We don't so have time. I made some notes. Okay. And we got to do a, a follow-up. We might yeah. need more than, more than one, but I want to hear, I want to hear also from our community. Has this been helpful? Reach out to me and let me know. I was actually going to do, and this is something, maybe I'll do it before our next meeting, whatever. I was actually going to do a whole podcast episode just on financial set point. Maybe I do that with you and I'll do a podcast on something else. Sure. But I want to talk in 2024, I want to talk more and more about mindset because I am, I'm just, like I said, I'm absolutely convinced business success, life success is 90% what's going on in our mindset. It and is. And skill set, once you get the mindset right, skill set becomes much, much easier because you don't have to do it everything anymore. That's right. There are plenty of great people out there, like you were saying, that they wake up every day and they love to go to work and do all of the things that you hate to do. That's right. And you shouldn't be doing what you don't like. And you shouldn't be doing. Right. There's a reason why we sense pleasure and why we sense displeasure. We're supposed to follow the pleasure, not the displeasure. Right. Right. Well, David, this is great. Listen, everybody that's listening, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm holding up David's book, The Millions Within. It's a great book to read and study. I told David, this is one of the only books that I've actually torn pages out of because I needed to make sure that I got the information and I'm actually going to read this again. Oh, look, there's the stick figure guy. There he is. There he is. The stick figure guy. Yeah. We'll talk about that too, maybe next time. And, uh, but I do want to hear from the community. Do you want to hear more from David? I'm, I'm, I want to hear more from David. So he's going to be back, but I'd love to hear other people's feedback as well. David, where people find you at davidnagel.com. Lifeisnowinc.com, lifeisnowinc.com, or the Successful Mind Podcast. Oh, the podcast. That's right. The Successful Mind Podcast as well. All right, sir. This has been awesome. Thank you very much. To everybody listening, until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you. 
Did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling and I'll take care of the cost of the book. So until next time, this is Brian Cascadalsio. 